Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey friends, welcome back to Life on Word. Today we are picking up in Matthew chapter 19. In the last couple of episodes, we read of Jesus' major teaching moment concerning the church and how the body of believers should relate to one another. This included instructions on church discipline, as well as a parable about forgiving others in light of the forgiveness that believers have experienced from God. In today's episode, we will be looking at what Jesus has to say about marriage and divorce and then about children. I will read through verse 15 and then save the rest of the chapter for the next episode. With that, let's get started. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce, and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. So in verses 1 and 2, Matthew tells us that Jesus is leaving the area of Galilee and is headed into Judea beyond the Jordan. This area beyond the Jordan is most likely Perea, which was governed by Herod Antipas and was made up of a mostly Jewish population. This is a signal that Jesus' ministry in Galilee is officially complete, and they are now on their way to Jerusalem. 
Remember that throughout Jesus' time in Capernaum, he was followed by large crowds and was quite popular for a time. Now, as he enters this new area, his reputation precedes him. Matthew states that large crowds followed him there, and he healed them. In the last chapter, Jesus was teaching his followers about the community of believers and how they should relate to one another. This theme continues as he now is about to address the issue of marriage in this chapter and other aspects of kingdom life that are important to the body of believers in chapter 20. In verse 3, Matthew states that Pharisees come up to Jesus to test him. This doesn't seem to be the same Pharisees from Galilee, so it is likely that the Pharisees in this area of Perea have heard of him and want to come and test him. They want to catch him in misinterpreting the scriptures and the tradition of the elders. And this will happen multiple times as Jesus and his disciples journey to Jerusalem. In this instance, the Pharisees ask him, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, divorce was a hot topic in this time among the religious leaders. Looking back to Moses' time, he had put regulations in place that allowed a man to divorce his wife if, quote, he finds something indecent about her. The topic of divorce in Jesus' day then was centered around interpreting what exactly the term indecent meant. There were several different interpretations that fell on a spectrum. The more conservative end said that being indecent meant being unchaste or unfaithful, while the more liberal side took the word to mean any number of superficial things. Per this view, a woman could be divorced based on how she looked, if she said something cross to her husband, or even if she served him a bad meal. But instead of Jesus giving an interpretation of Moses' words in response, he appeals back to creation and God's intention for the institution of marriage. He quotes Genesis 2:24, stating, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Thus, Jesus is showing that God is not in favor of divorce because it tears apart what is supposed to be a permanent union. The Pharisees then respond, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And this is again referring to the legislation that Moses had put in place for divorce. The Pharisees seem to think that because Moses had done this, he must have thought that divorce was normal and permissible. If there is a law on how to do it, they think, then it must be okay. Jesus responds to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Jesus here is hitting on the unfortunate reality of the ancient world. Moses had put regulations in place for specific reasons, to protect the sanctity of marriage from defilement, as in the case of adultery, to protect women whose husbands want to send them away for no legitimate reason, and to document women as divorced so that they couldn't be treated as a prostitute or a runaway adulteress. Jesus is saying that the ideal and intention for marriage is permanency, Moses put those regulations in place in his time to protect those who were victims due to the sinful nature of the parties involved. 
Jesus is not at all saying that divorce is some morally neutral or okay thing. It goes against God's intended way and reveals a hardness of heart. As was often the case, the Pharisees were focused on the wrong issue. They cared about the external actions, while Jesus brings it back to the heart issue, focused on God's original intention. And because Jesus is ushering in the kingdom, the redemption of marriage is possible. Through Jesus' work, the law of Moses is not the only guide for the people. Jesus is teaching that God desires for a person to be cleaned up from the inside out through his power. And when this happens, human relationships will of course be impacted. A person transformed by the gospel can pursue unity in marriage, even when it would be easier to divorce. In verse 9, Jesus does make an exception for when divorce is acceptable. This is when one of the partners has been sexually immoral, as I read above. The Greek word here is pornea, which has been translated a number of different ways. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't use the Greek word here for adultery, so pornea seems to be pointing to a wider meaning. Following Moses' instructions, it is definitely not something superficial or frivolous, allowing one to be divorced over any little thing. Instead, it is most likely pointing to various means of sexual unfaithfulness to the marriage, such as adultery, homosexuality, prostitution, molestation, and probably more. Jesus is not saying that divorce is required in these cases, but this does allow a path of protection for the partner who has been violated. So, in summary of Jesus' view in response to the religious leaders, it seems clear that lifelong marriage is what God intended at creation, and though sin has messed things up a bit and there should be some exceptions where divorce is permissible, marriages should be fought for as transformed believers seek to rid themselves of sin and pursue unity in Christ. In verse 10, we find the disciples approaching Jesus after the Pharisees have left. They tell him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. They see here that marriage should be permanent, but also see it as an unfortunate obligation, thus thinking it would be better to not marry at all. But Jesus does not necessarily agree with them. He states that for some, it is God's will for them to remain single. But this does not mean that it is better for all people to choose singleness. In verse 13, the chapter transitions with Matthew recording that children were being brought to Jesus to be blessed. Placing hands on children to bless them was a tradition throughout Jewish history and often occurred as a way of passing on blessings from one generation to the next. Yet, remember from the last chapter that in general, children often had a very low value in society and weren't worth much until they could contribute to the family in tangible ways. For this reason, it seems the disciples were irritated that people were bringing children to Jesus. They probably assumed that Jesus' agenda of proclaiming the kingdom of heaven was far more important. But we see that once again, Jesus elevates the status of children. He goes against the societal norms and gives a loving welcome to the children. We learned in the last chapter how children were a perfect example of the defenseless, vulnerable humility that should characterize disciples of Jesus as they grow in dependence on Him rather than in their own power. This is probably like last time a metaphorical reminder of how disciples should act, as well as a literal elevation of children themselves. 
Jesus was gentle to the children, showing them compassion and protection. His actions make it evident that he believes children are valuable and worthy of love. Okay, we've made it to our stopping point in today's episode, so we'll now look at some application based on what we've read. As I said in one of the last few episodes, chapters 18 through 20 have a theme focused on how believers should relate to one another. We saw in chapter 18 how Jesus gave the community discourse and talked about relations in the church, and now in this chapter we see his views on marriage and children. In the short passage we've covered today, Jesus disputes two misconceptions of that time about marriage and children. The Pharisees thought that divorce was a permissible action based on the rules of Moses without being concerned about the true hearts of the people involved in the marriage. Then we saw the disciples' misconception and annoyance about the children being brought to Jesus to be healed. In both cases, Jesus is drawing the people back to God's original design. Now, I don't mean by this that singleness is not part of God's design or that he does not call some people to a life of singleness. Obviously, Jesus was an example of this. Instead, I mean that it has always been God's intention for humans to genuinely love one another as a way of pointing the world back to Him. This isn't only done through marriage and raising children. It includes that for some, but it is bigger than that. Because Jesus has arrived and ushered in the kingdom, the ways of sin in the world are starting to be reversed. As followers of Christ, we can show the world what it looks like to truly, selflessly love another person. If we are called to marriage, we can be an example of how Christ loves the church and an example of partnering with another believer to tirelessly work to further the kingdom. If we're called to raise children, we can dedicate them to God and someday release dedicated disciples into the world to make a difference for the kingdom. When we come to believe in Christ and follow Him, we are offered transformation that touches every aspect of our lives. Any relationship we have with another person becomes an opportunity to show them Christ's love. This takes work and obedience and patience and much more, but it's also incredibly rewarding. Today we started making our way through Matthew chapter 19. We looked at how Jesus responded to the religious leaders that had asked him about the morality of divorce. Jesus told the Pharisees that one must look at God's original intention for marriage, one woman united with one man forever. Even though Moses had put laws in place that allowed divorce in some cases, this didn't mean Moses was encouraging or condoning divorce. We then saw how Jesus invited the nearby children to come to him to receive blessings, an action that would have shocked the people given the low value that children had in that society. In the next episode, we will read the account of the rich young ruler that wanted to follow Jesus, but just couldn't seem to give up his possessions. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Life on Word is dedicated to making deep study of Scripture enlightening and accessible. Check out the episode description to see what source materials I studied in preparation for this episode. Until next time.